Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Today, I want to go into how you can know the will of God for yourself. Uh, There has to come a point in your faith, in your Christian faith, in your Christianity, where you mature to the point where you're no longer relying on the direction of others, but you can know and hear the voice of God and receive direction from the Spirit of God yourself. And I'm going to read first and foremost out of Romans chapter 8. And I want you to pay special attention to the words that Paul speaks, because if you're going to live a life of not like a life of trial and error where everything is like, well, let me just test this out. God doesn't want you to test things out and see if they work. And then ultimately, if they work, you stick with it. If it doesn't, then you can do something else. That's not God's primary uh, way of, of instructing people. A lot of people say, well, you know, had I not ventured out into that business and it failed, I wouldn't have known that, uh, you know, God was actually calling me somewhere else. That's not the way God leads. God does not lead by destruction. God leads by instruction. God does not lead by trial and error. God leads by his spirit and by his word. And we're going to find out about that further on as we go on in this broadcast. However, I want to open up with Romans chapter eight and verse 14. Actually, let's start with verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. I'm going to turn to Proverbs chapter 4 and I want to read this. This is one of my favorite Proverbs because it really outlines the path that God wants you to take in life. Understand, Jesus said it very clearly in Matthew chapter 7. There's two paths that you can take in life. You can either choose to hear the word of God, study the word of God, excavate the word of God so that you can discover the richness of it and live by it. Or you can go your own way. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right unto men and its end is the way of death. But there's another way in life. The Bible says there is a way of righteousness. And in that pathway, there is life, there is honor, there is riches. You don't have to figure things out as you go along. You can actually discover what God wants you to do, His path, His direction for your life. And when you follow that direction, you don't have to a question whether it's going to lead you upward you don't have to question whether you're going to you're going to land in this in a in a great destination you don't have to question whether you're going to make it you can know that you know as you follow god's path and god's plan and god's purpose for your life you can know that the end result is going to be glorious it's going to be filled with blessing it's going to be filled with honor it's going to be filled with riches it's going to be filled with with peace with joy with strength with vitality and full in life people are looking how can i fulfill how can i receive fulfillment in life how can i feel happy in life that happiness is not going to be in trial and error that happiness is not going to be going the way the world says is the right way to take there is a wisdom that is from this world there is a wisdom that is from the devil there is a wisdom that is from just uh, academics there's three different types of earthly wisdoms all of them 
um, can add some value, but ultimately there is a, no, obviously not all of them. The demonic wisdom does not add any value, but the, the other two, the, the worldly wisdom, which is uh, academic wisdom, and then there's sensual wisdom, which is just, you know, common sense pretty much. Uh, you know, when a baby comes out, not common sense, but just God, the, the wisdom God has wired within us as human beings. So like when a baby comes out and it wants to feed, it doesn't go for the mother's toe. It doesn't go and suck on the mother's ear. It knows exactly to go for the, brother, the, the mother's breast so that it can receive nutrients. That's essential wisdom. But in James chapter 3, it talks about another wisdom, which is a wisdom that comes down from above. And that wisdom is full of good fruits. Not every wisdom is at the same level of, uh, of frequency. The level, same level doesn't produce the same level of results. The Bible says very clearly in Job chapter 29 that there is a wisdom that the earth has heard of it, the sea has heard the fame of it. The Bible talks about the animals and the creatures having, having heard of it or having, having um, you know, caught wind of it. And that wisdom, the Bible says, is from the Almighty. There is a wisdom that you can receive from the Almighty. There is a, a directive in life that you can receive from the Almighty that guarantees success. Joshua 1.8, don't let my word depart from your mouth. Be careful to meditate on it day and night. Observe to do it. So don't just think about it. Observe to do it. And your way will be prosperous and you will have good success. You can have good success in what you do. Now remember, the will of God, the plan of God, what the vision of God for your life is not something that we are inventing. It's not something that we're creating for ourselves. It's not something that we're making up ourselves. The will of God, the plan of God, the vision of God for your life is a discovery. It is not a choice. It is not a decision. God's plan for you is not something you decide. It is something you discover. And so that's why... I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 4 because you're going to understand now that when you discover that, that plan, when you discover the will of God, the reason I'm starting off by, um, uh, with what I'm saying is because unless you understand that first and foremost, there is a will of God for your life, there is a plan God has for you, there is a specific order of direction and there's a specific path God wants to take you on. If you don't understand that, you're never going to look for it. You'll never try and locate it. If I don't know a place exists... If there's, there could be the best, I like Vietnamese uh, pho soup. There could be the best pho soup in all the world that is located in my city. If I don't know it exists, I'm never going to look for it. I'm never going to go to it. I'm never going to arrive at it. I'm never going to taste of it. So you can, uh, you know, you can pray all those prayers, Lord, you know, whatever you want done, just, you know, so be it in my life. But if you don't actually understand from the scripture that God's not trying to withhold direction from you. He actually wants to get it to you. He wants to make known to you the mystery of his will. Then there's going to be a craving in your spirit to go after it. And Jeremiah 29, 13 says very clearly that if you seek for me and search for me with all of your heart, that's when you're going to find me. The people that are casual seekers don't discover the plan of God for their life. People that just wish... Uh, things turn out well, those guys don't discover the plan of God for their life. The, the people that are more intent on asking uh, everyone around them what they should do in life and don't ever bother to ask God what they should do in life, they never discover the will of God. Every, I have it, This is why I'm doing this broadcast. I have a lot of people that... Um, 
that ask me, you know, what, what, how can I know God's will for my life? Well, this broadcast is for you. That's why if you're tuning in right now, please share it. Get this message out to as many people as possible. And, uh, the, you know, the more people that hear this message, the less people we're going to see wandering in life, hoping they arrive at a destination they're imagining or hoping for. You can never arrive at a destination you haven't first seen in your spirit. And you'll never see it in your spirit until you locate it in God's plan, in, in God's word. And in, um, and in the unfolding of that vision for your life as it pertains to you. That's what vision is. Vision is the unfolding of God's plan for your life as it pertains to you. It's the unfolding. It is the, the revelation. It's when that light bulb comes on and he says, man, I know exactly why I was placed on planet earth. I know exactly why my two feet stand here. I know exactly why I have breath in my lungs. You know, people have been spared from death. You, you know, they had a car accident, whatever it was, and they were spared from death. And then they wonder, why was I spared from death and other people aren't so fortunate? I'm telling you, as long as there's breath in your lungs, it's because there's something that God wants to do through you here on the earth for his glory so that you make an indelible mark on the earth so that when you get to heaven, you're not just like, you know, hoping Paul doesn't pass your way because you're going to shrink back. Man, that guy did so much. No, you can actually converse with Paul and say, that's wonderful. Look at what the Lord did through me. Proverbs chapter 4, listen to this. How can I know the will of God for my life? Number one is you have to first have a craving for it. And you won't have a craving for it until you absolutely know that it's essential and it's important. You won't crave for something you're not, you don't actually care for. Nobody craves for, unless you're weird, nobody craves for tofu, just to eat tofu, because nobody really cares for tofu. Nobody craves uh, to, to, to obtain something that they're not genuinely vested in, you know? Uh, you, you see a pregnant woman, she's craving something. Why? Because, you know, obviously there's, there's uh, hormones and whatnot, but also... You know, she, she has a, she's growing a baby in there. So there's something that needs to be fed in there. There's, a, there's nourishment, extra nourishment that needs to take place. And as a result, it's almost like the Lord does it on purpose to like trigger cravings so that they, you know, they feed and, and their cravings can be all, you know, weird things. But a craving is important if you're going to discover the will of God. Proverbs chapter 4, let me get into it. Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake wisdom. She will preserve you, love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt wisdom and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of, of grace and a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. Notice how when you follow God's paths, it doesn't, he doesn't say if you listen to me, your life's going to be cut short by tragedy. The Bible says if you'll listen and receive my sayings, the years of your life, that's a promise. That's a Bible promise. The years of your life, longevity in life is a product of following the ways of God to the T. If you will hearken unto my voice, if you will set your love on me, set your heart on obeying and keeping my covenant with long life, Psalm 91 says, with long life, I will satisfy you. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. 
I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. But take firm hold of my instruction. Don't let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Take firm hold of instruction. Take firm hold. Remember what the Bible says in Isaiah 55. My ways, God said, are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you're convinced that your way is the best way, you will never covet earnestly the plan of God. You will never seek after it. You'll never have hunger for it. Remember David, the reason why he could inquire of the Lord and receive a direction from the Lord unlike a T was because he said it in Psalm 40, uh, Psalm 42. As a deer panteth for the water creek, so my soul panteth after thee. David had an insatiable desire to hear from God. If you don't have that, you know, if you just make decisions in life based on, you know, it seems right. Well, you know, you know, we thought of the pros and the cons. This just seemed like the right way to go. You're going to suffer frustration the whole way. You're never going to arrive at that plan that Romans 8 says uh, when he called you, he didn't call you just to call you. He called you first and foremost to justify you. And then he didn't just stop there. The Bible says he called you to justify you. And then those who are justified, he also did call to glorify. There's a glorious destiny that awaits you as a child of God. You were not called to obscurity. You were not called to penury. You were not called to, to, to be the bottom of the barrel. You were not called to be the tail. You were not called to be below. You you were called to be above always and never beneath. You were called to be the head always and never the tail. Want proof of that? Ask Daniel. Daniel was a slave boy in, in Babylonian captivity. But as he carried out the father's instructions, what happened? It gave him, it propelled him into an envious, envious, an enviable future. He didn't stay a slave boy. You know, chapter one, he starts like that. By chapter two and chapter three, the guy is given a position of govern, government uh, as, a, as the main governor, I believe, over the, the province of Babylon, the main province of Babylon. Then you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same thing. They were given places of high rulership as high officials in the land. These people did not earn it because of their background. They were not born into royalty. They were not given a free pass because of money. No, they didn't have anything. But because they followed God's plan, because they were intent on pursuing His purpose, because they refused to go by the wisdom of the world and instead they followed hard after God and after his word and they kept his statutes and they didn't defile themselves with the sins of this world he, they kept themselves pure and holy as such they were able to see God work in and through them and that always led them upward there's a place for you on the top if you're interested in it there is a place for you on the top you weren't called to struggle through life. Life is not to be a struggle. I hate that stupid hashtag. Hashtag the struggle is real. Jesus, when he died on that cross, his last words were not the struggle is real. His last words were the struggle is over. It is finished. Jesus came to put an end to the struggle of life. When Adam sinned, yes, 
The Bible says one of the one of the parts of that curse was that by the sweat of his brow, Adam would barely make it in life. But understand, through redemption, that curse is broken on us. That curse is broken over our lives. We're not cursed. We are blessed. I'm not cursed. I am blessed. And I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm not looking... To, to, to horror stories around me and just let that paint the, pu- the picture for my future. There might have been tragedy that surrounds you, but that tragedy doesn't get to define my destiny. I look at the fathers of the faith. Abraham was called by God. Abraham believed God and he received what we receive in the New Testament ahead of his time because it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And the Bible says, and God said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing on all the earth and I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you man I'm not just I'm not just not cursed I'm uncursable there's no curse that can come to me that can alight there's nothing the devil can do to me that can take root in my life because I have been bought from above I've been purchased by his blood I am now God's very own possession I'm not demon possessed I'm not worldly possessed I am Holy Ghost possessed and the Holy Spirit has put his stamp on on me a stamp of favor a stamp of blessing David said in Psalm 23 if you'll let the Lord your God be your shepherd he will indeed guide you by still waters you'll never lack anything you'll never be in want he'll lead you by by green pastures that signifies abundance divine abundance and provision he'll lead you by still waters that talks about tranquility and peace in the midst of a generation that is in chaos a generation that is running around like a chicken without a its head you can find peace because when God who is the prince of peace comes and lives in you that peace begins to overflow it's not a peace that is based on circumstance it is a peace that is based on the fact that God will never fail you and God will never lead you backwards he'll never leave you downwards he'll never leave you at the same place he found you know when the hand of God comes into that pit it's always to lift you up to another level you're going to another level in the name of Jesus today is the small you'll ever be in the name of Jesus as you hook up with God that that's going to act like a propeller a catapult to launch you in to the higher blessings of God in the name of Jesus Christ if you believe that you just put an amen hands emoji whatever it is just let God know that you're here today ready and willing to be obedient and so eat the good of the land hallelujah Psalm 23 he, 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 hallelujah. He leads you by still waters. Man, I love the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's like a river both bursting forth. This message was for someone. I wasn't even going to do this today. And I just felt to keep with it. This message is for someone. This message is from, for someone who's been in despair. You've been despondent. Your soul has been cast down because you don't know the right way to go. You feel hopeless. You feel helpless. You're looking at, there's so many options ahead of you. And you don't know which one, which door to go and walk through today God's gonna make that clear to you the eyes of your spirit are gonna see God's voice is gonna speak a word behind thee saying this is the way walk ye therein and you shall know that it is the Lord your God who's speaking with you the voice of a stranger you shall not follow but as you follow his voice he said I'll lead you to profit and I'll teach you in the way you should go doubting nothing Psalm 23 he restores my soul then it goes on to say that he, he'll, he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. When God is leading you, 
It doesn't matter if the devil tries to put stumbling blocks ahead of you or obstacles in front of you. When God is leading you, listen to this, Isaiah 45. Listen to what God will do when he leads you. Isaiah 45 and verse 1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. And that's me. Are you anointed? You are if you're saved. The Bible says you have received an anointing from the Holy One. So this is you. To Cyrus whose right hand I have held. Right hand I have held. That signifies God's holding your hand. Isaiah 40. uh, I think it's in Isaiah chapter 40. The scripture says, I am your God. Therefore, don't be afraid. I am with you. Therefore, don't be discouraged. I will hold you up in my right hand and I will help you and strengthen you. So if you're in Christ, God not only holds you up, he, he, he has you, your hands interlocked with his hand and he's guiding you. He's bringing you. And this is what happens when you, when you hook up with God, whose right hand I have upheld or held to subdue nations before you. So anything that tries to stop in your way when you're in the divine plan, when you're carrying out God's instructions, those obstacles, they fall flat for free. I mean, look at it in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John heal the lame man at the gate called Beautiful, and then they're brought on trial. You'd think that they'd be heralded as uh, mighty men of God and that the Sanhedrin would finally say, maybe, you know, there's something a little more to this Jesus guy. We crucified him, but you know what? We kind of regret that now. No, instead they were brought on trial, and then they were put before a court, the Sanhedrin, the rulers of the day, and they were told that they should no longer teach or preach in that name. And they, uh, they were thinking of like killing them. They were, they were going to kill him. Except that Gamaliel, one of the people that was held in high esteem, he stood up and he said, take heed to these men and let them alone. And be careful what you do to them. For if this plan is of men, it'll come to nothing. When you try to plan your way, it'll come to nothing. Every time you're going to hit a brick wall. Every time you're going you're gonna to suffer loss. Every time there's going to be uh, unnecessary stress. You want to know why people sometimes feel, not all the time, but a lot of times feel unnecessarily burdened. They feel like they're carrying blocks and weight that they shouldn't be carrying. It's because they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. When you do things out of divine order, you forfeit divine peace. You forfeit divine joy. You forfeit divine help and you got to carry it. Jesus said, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you my rest. It's only when you come to him and then he says, learn of me and take my instructions for I'm gentle and lowly of heart. Then you will find rest for your souls. When you take my yoke upon you, things will be easy. When you take my burden upon you, things will be light. It's not necessarily that the work you're going to do for God is going to be less work than if you did your, your own way or whatever. You can actually... You can do a little in your own strength and be more burdened and more stressed than doing a lot in God's strength. That's why the trick in life, the master key in life to losing stress, to being totally in peace, to having the greatest nights of sleep you've ever had is by locating and making sure that what I'm doing is keeping in divine pace. I sleep the best. I'm in the middle of God's will right now. I know that I'm exactly where the Lord wants me to be. That's why I can sleep very nicely. That's why I don't have uh, night terrors. That's why I'm not waking up at night and uh, in, as an insomniac and walking around 
having to drink water, maybe going for a walk and, and just blow some steam off. No, I, I'm at peace. I am at peace. I know that this is where God has called me to be. This is what God has called me to do. I know that I'm, uh, you know, this very broadcast that I'm doing is exactly what the Lord has led me to do. So I don't have to, I, I, I don't feel burdened. I don't feel like what I'm doing is hard. People message me all the time. Hey, I, you know, I, I don't mean to like bother you. I know you're very busy. You know, we do a lot. You know, we do broadcasts, I'm doing podcasts, I do recordings other places, um, studying, whatever. You know, we, we, have, we have a good schedule. When things are opened up, we're traveling and preaching in places all around the world on top of all that. And, uh, but I have never at one point sat back and said, man, after like preaching two weeks or three weeks or four weeks in a, in a row, like, you know, uh, every night, Sunday through Wednesday or Sunday through Friday. And after doing that for three weeks in a row, I came back and, you know, I, I put my feet up and I said, man, I'm glad that's over. No, it's actually the opposite. I'm not glad it's over. I'm sad it's over. I enjoy doing what I'm doing. I actually like, I take, Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his purpose. My meat, my accomplishment, my fulfillment, my nourishment in life. I actually feel stronger after four weeks of preaching than I did at the beginning. I actually, as, as the more I preach, the more I feel and get into the anointing, the more strength I have to do even more. So when, you know, when you're doing a bunch of things that God hasn't necessarily called you to, you forfeit that. All right, God will, will you know, easily just back off and say, if that's what you want to do, you're free to do it. I'm not going to stop you. But you have forfeited my help. You have forfeited my hand. You have uh, abandoned, you know, my peace. Not, you know, Isaiah 48, 17 says, had... I'm the Lord your God who teaches you the prophet and I lead you in the way you should go. But then if you continue on, it says, oh, had you listened to me, you, oh, had you listened to me. So I'll lead you in the way to profit. I'll teach you the way to go, but you have to listen to me. And then he rebukes Israel saying, had you listened to me, your peace would have been like a river. Had you listened to me, your righteousness would have been like the waves of the sea. But now as it is, there is no peace for the wicked. There is no peace for those that, that violate my plan. So Isaiah 45, this is what happens. He subdues nations over you, uh, before you. So challenges are going to come. I'm not saying when you start doing things God's way, you're never going to have a challenge in life. No, challenges are going to come. But your defeat will never be a reality. You'll always overcome. You'll always come over onto the other side. Mark 4, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. His disciples got in the boat and then a challenge came. The storm came. Jesus stood up, rebuked the storm. He took authority. You know, a lot of people are trying to rebuke things in their life as they're going the the Jonah way, Jonah could not rebuke the storm because the storm, that's the only scriptural storm that was sent by God. And as such, Jonah could not use his God-given authority to rebuke the storm. The storm stayed as long as he was convinced and he was, he was uh, dedicated to going the opposite direction. It was when he went into the belly of the fish. Well, first of all, remember, he was on the boat and the people around him, they were foreign sailors who had foreign gods. They... They were praying out to their gods, asking them, you know, asking their gods to stop the storm, but their gods don't exist. Their gods are the work of men. They don't have the ability to start a storm and they don't have the ability to stop a storm. But then they realized that there's Jonah who's like in the stern. He's like, he's, he's trying to hide out. And they go to him and say, you know, pray to your God. Why are you just staying silent? He said, I don't have, I can't even pray because I know this is what God is doing. 
And if I even asked him to remove the storm, he wouldn't because I'm, I'm dedicated and I'm, I'm, I'm fixed on going this direction. So then what did they do? They cast him overboard and the storm stopped immediately. And then when he went into the belly of the fish, the fish he got spat out, vomited out three days later. And then he, he went where he was originally supposed to go. So when the, you can't rebuke, that authority you have in the name of Jesus will not work when you're trying to rebuke things off your life uh, that are there because you are going in the opposite direction. Because you're violating divine order. Because you're intent on going your way. And I'm convinced there are people that are watching me right now. The depression, the sickness, the disease, the... Not all of you, I'm not saying it's all of you, but I'm convinced there are people watching me that if you, you know that there's something God spoke to you to do a long time ago and you haven't done it and you've suppressed it and you've gone your own way, I'm convinced that if you would just obey him in that and keep that commandment, everything you've been praying about, everything that you've been uh, using the name of Jesus to try and counteract, trying to remove out of your life, everything you've been pleading the blood to remove for in your life will easily back off for free. Those are, you know, that disobedience is a hindrance to the anointing. Disobedience is a hindrance to victory. Disobedience is um, something that has to be dealt with in order for you to become an overcomer. Jesus said to him that overcomes, him I will grant him a seat at my, right, at my right hand on my throne to be an overcomer just as I have been an overcomer. To him that overcomes what? To him that overcomes disobedience. To him that overcomes sin. To him that overcomes those things. If he will do that, he'll sit at my right hand in me and he too will become an overcomer. Isaiah 45. If you'll follow me, I'll subdue nations before you. I'll loose the armor of kings and I'll open before you the double doors. Some of you are asking the Lord to open up a door that's uh, not in the direction you're going in, so you've just been, hitting the wall, just been hitting a wall over and over and over again. Isaiah says, if you'll go my way, you know, he's the one who holds the key of David. He opens and no man can shut. He shuts and no man can open. So if the key of David doesn't, doesn't open it, it remains shut. To guarantee, to ensure that the key of David is constantly, Jesus is constantly opening up door after door for you. You have to be going in the direction that he's going in. And Jesus said, I'm going to open up double doors. Not just one door, double doors. Double blessing, double portion of everything you've been, you've been wanting. And the gates will never be shut behind you. Meaning no man will ever be able to shut that door when God opens it. I'll go before you. I'll make the crooked places straight. I'll break in pieces the gates of bronze. I'll cut the bars of iron. I'll give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I am the Lord who called you by your name. So number one, I hope that in giving you all of this, it created a craving in you and an interest in you, man. I would like to know what God's will is from life. Remember, Proverbs 4, 18, I didn't get to it, but I'll quote it for you. It says, the path of the just shines brighter and brighter even unto that perfect day. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter. The, the graph that God wants to have for your life isn't one of ups and downs and all arounds. God, the graft, is you started here at salvation. The graph he's painting for your life, if you'll keep with his, his will, is that of a constant upward trajectory. 
It's not up and down and valleys and mountains. Valleys and mountains is Old, T- Old Testament theology. Paul said that we go from glory to glory, from victory to victory, and from strength to strength. Psalm 87 says, those who appear before God in Zion, they go from strength to strength. Zion is the New Testament church in prophecy. They go from strength to strength. From glory to glory. As long as David inquired of the Lord, he never spent time in, in the valley. As long as he was keeping in divine pace. He was, there's no record of David ever losing a battle. This whole, like, you know, sometimes God's got to take you to the de- through the desert to get you to the promised land. Why did God take Israel through the desert 40 years? Was it because they were doing everything right? Or was it because they were creating golden calves and worshiping them when God specifically said, Thou shalt have no other God except me? And that's what launched them in this cycle, the vicious cycle of going around and around this mountain time and time again for 40 years. But remember, Deuteronomy 2 came and said, you've dwelt along this mountain long enough. You have gone in circles long enough. You have stayed idle long enough. You've gone around a vicious cycle of stagnation and frustration long enough. From today, God is leading you into higher levels. God is leading you forward. God is leading you onto green pastures. God is leading you in the way to profit. You are not staying idle. You're not going to stagnate. You might have been born at this level, but you are not dying at this level you are going to have quantum leaps of level from today onward in the name of Jesus Christ I want to go through five promises that God has given to those who will who will who, who will follow God's will number one is safety and protection when you are in the will of God you guarantee God's safety and God's protection over your life. How do we know that? Psalm 91. He that dwells in the shelter of the Almighty will abide under the shadow of God. The protection, the protective barrier, the refuge of God. He will be your fortress. He will be your strong tower. He will be your defense in times of trouble. The Bible says in Psalm 46.1, My God is a refuge and a strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 121, David said, I I will look to the mountain ahead of me, and then I'll look a little higher from whence cometh my help. God is committed to helping those that are committed to following Him. And He said, my help comes from the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. Why did He have to say, who made the heavens and the earth? Because David was trying to paint a picture that if God made the heavens and the earth, if God made the mountain, he can flatten the mountain. You know, who made the devil? Who made the devil? God made the devil. He was made Lucifer and he was perfect in beauty and the wisdom of God was in him. He was clothed in diadems and all kinds of precious jewels and and diamonds and whatnot. But because iniquity was found in his heart, he was cast down from heaven. And, uh, you know, you know the rest of the story. But God who made the devil obviously knows the capacity the devil has and also he knows how to rewire him for failure so when satan got cast out of heaven he was wired for success before when he got cast out of heaven he was then wired for failure that's why isaiah says that um, the lord your god will not allow any weapon that is formed against you well who's making the weapons and who's forming the weapons against you the devil 
God has made the devil so that he doesn't even have the capacity to make a weapon strong enough and form it against you to wipe you out. Hallelujah. God's protection comes to those that are intentional in following his paths. The Bible says, and I read it before, I quoted it before. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. God will showboat you and, and, and elevate you even when the enemy is trying to bring you down. Remember, promotion doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It doesn't come from the devil. It doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from the Lord who lifts one up and puts down another. So number one is protection. They couldn't kill Jesus before his time. They tried to pick up stones to stone him. And what happened? He passed through the midst of them and passed on. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers were sent to arrest Jesus, Jesus uh, asked them, whom seek ye? John 18, 6, Jesus of Nazareth, I am. The moment he said, I am, they fell backwards. And if he just kept introducing himself as I am, they would have kept falling backwards. And finally, he, he willingly, of his own, he did that because he wanted to show, you know, I'm in divine plan. I've been sent on a mission. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay my life down of itself. You're not coming here to arrest me. I'm submitting myself willfully. It reminds me of uh, Man of Steel, uh, the movie they made on Superman with, uh, I don't know if it's Henry Cavill or whatever. Um, they came to arrest him. And so they, I don't know why this came into my spirit, but this is, this is the, the analogy I came up with or the analogy I thought of. They came to arrest him, and uh, they couldn't. They knew they couldn't arrest him. He's Superman, you know, all the strength he has. So he had to. He had to put himself in handcuffs, and then he followed them as long as he could. And he went into the the interrogation room. And then the moment he wanted to break free, he just broke the chains and and left, walked out. And that's Superman. Jesus is obviously a hundred, you know, billion. It's not even comparable in strength. But I wanted to show you that as long as Jesus. Kept to his mission, uh, nobody could take his life from him. Paul, the same thing. They tried to kill him. They tried to stone him in Galatia. He literally, he, apparently dies because the Bible says the disciples gathered around him and then he sprang up, you know, probably bloodied and bruised and whatnot because of the stoning he just took. And like the Terminator, he just walks into his next town. Death couldn't take him out. It was not possible that he can be held down by death. Because remember, God said, I've, he is a chosen vessel for me, and I will make him appear at Rome before Caesar. So he knew as long as I'm not at Rome, my time's not up. That's why when he was shipwrecked in, at Malta in, in Acts chapter 27, he wasn't afraid. There wasn't sun nor moon that they had seen for many days. And all hope of ever being saved was lost. And the people started to get desperate. And they were thinking of throwing the prisoners over so that they can spare the food. The angel of the Lord appears to Paul that night and tells him, take strength and be encouraged. God has granted your life and the life of everyone on this ship. Be encouraged. Be of good cheer. For you, uh, you're, you're going to make it. You're not going to die in this. So he gets up the next day and he's happy. Everyone else is sad. They're all crying. They're trying to spare the food. He gets up and he says, hey, guys, eat. Eat as much as you want. Be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be exactly as I've been told. I'm not done with my mission. And as such, no storm, no devil, nothing can wipe me out. Divine protection comes to those who follow divine leading. Number two, peace and joy. Peace and joy. 
comes to those that are in step with God. How do we know that? Oh, I read it before. Psalm 23, he leads you by still waters. He doesn't lead you by turbulent waters. He leads you by still waters. Joseph was like the happiest prisoner there ever was. Joseph was in prison, wrongfully convicted of rape because of um, Potiphar's wife. And in the prison, you don't see him having suicidal thoughts. You don't see him like, you know, man, I really thought we were going to make it. I guess, you know, things don't always turn out the way we do and the way we think it's going to be. And uh, we just got to accept Except these circumstances and the rest of his days, he had to take Prozac and three other antidepressant medications just to get by. And the prisoner, the leader of the prisoner, the, the, lead, the leader of the prison actually had to come by every so often to his cell and wrap his arms around Joseph and they sobbed together from morning till night. No, he was the happiest guy. He was innovating. The Bible says he was so connected to the Spirit of God that he was innovating their prison system to the point where the, the lead jailer caught wind of it and put him as the appointed prison leader in his specific section of that jail. He was the, he, every prisoner had to answer to him. He was like the prison goon. And that came because he, was, he maintained joy. He maintained peace. The Bible says very clearly, if you'll listen to me, your peace will be like a river. Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll give you peace that the world cannot give you. Isaiah 26 says, those who have their eyes stayed on me, they will, they will be, they will be kept in perfect peace. Those who I have their eyes stayed on me, I will keep in peace, says the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3. Uh, Philippians 4. The Bible says, be anxious about nothing. But in everything, commit your life to God by prayer, supplication, along with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will come on you. And it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. I mean, if you read the martyrs, John Fox's Book of Martyrs, a book I have behind me. If you read some of the martyrs, they didn't die wailing and gnashing of teeth as they were being burnt at the stake. There's a, there's a story in that book where they were pinned to a tree, lit on fire, and the entire time, because they knew this was the will of God for them, they knew that they, they weren't dying in vain. They knew that they had carried out the divine instruction, and, uh, and, 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 and this, is, this is just, you know, what, where, where, where it led. They were laughing. They were laughing as they, the, 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 uh, the account of the story, and it's not a, a, a fairy tale. This is a historical documented thing. That there were, um, they weren't cries of tears. There was cries of laughter as they began to sing hymns as they were being burnt and cooked and died. I mean, what gave them that in the midst of a... Look at that, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't bow to us, we're going to throw you into a, furn a furnace, a blazing furnace, and you'll die quickly. King Nebuchadnezzar, let it be known to you, this is such an easy thing for me to answer you. No stress. They weren't tippy-toying, uh, you know, trying to find like the most diplomatic way to, to bring their case before the king. Uh, oh, king, long live forever. Um, you know, le let me just list out the reasons why we've been doing this. I don't want you to think that we're trying to... No. We'd rather obey God than men. And as such, we know as long as you're obeying God, no matter what man... God, Jesus said, don't fear man 
and what he can do to you. He can kill your body, but after that, he can't do anything. Rather, follow God and fear God, who has power to destroy body and spirit in, in, in body and soul in hell. So what did they say? Let it be known to you, we will never bow. Absolute peace. Even if he doesn't rescue us, we'll never bow. And what happened? In the midst of that fire, they weren't crying in a corner somewhere as the heat would. No. They had their hands lifted. They were going around in a circle. And another, like the, like the, uh, the fourth man, like the son of man, the Bible says, whose appearance was like the son of man. Join them in that blazing furnace. And the fire had no power to burn them. They came out not even smelling like smoke. You know why we have peace? You know why we can have peace? Following divine leaning? Because no matter what the devil tries to plan for us, it won't work. It'll backfire. That's The peace is not just a mental peace. Uh, meanwhile, everything around you is just like falling flat. Meanwhile, everything around you is nothing's working. Meanwhile, everything around you is like... Is, uh, is, is like a tornado. That's not the peace that I'm talking about. It's not a peace that uh, is just mental. I'm talking about a, a peace even in life, a peace in your finances, a peace in your, it, it, it overflows in every area of life. The fire couldn't burn them. They came out not even smelling like smoke. Hallelujah. Number three, provision. God's provision comes to those that, uh, that follow his, his plans. It's very clear. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard it. What God, um, where God leads, he provides. There's like, you know, that statement a lot of preachers say. Where God guides, he provides. That's what it is. Where God guides, he provides. How do we know that? First Kings 17. Let me read this. First Kings chapter 17. If you're just joining me now, please share this broadcast. I believe it's going to help a lot of people today. And I know it's already helping a lot of people because I see your comments. First Kings 17, 1. Elisha. So if this is of any value to you, help, help me get the word out to others. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except that my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, so look, Elijah was told by the Lord to go and proclaim a drought over the land of Israel. But look, notice what happened right after. The provision of God is not based on uh, the economies of this world. God's ability to provide and his resources aren't tied up because of some central banking system. God, can, God bypasses world, the world's economics and he allows you to partake of heavenly economics. And those are resources that never run dry. It's an unending supply. How do we know that? Listen to this. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So as he kept, kept his ear in tune to God, God spoke to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Sherith, which flows into Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and... He went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. He did not just hear from God and meditate on it and reminisce of what God spoke to them 20 years ago. A lot of people do that. They hear from God and then they sit back and they like meditate on it. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Imagine if Elijah tried to lean on his own understanding. Well, that's kind of foolish. I'm not just going to go to the brook Sherith. What am I going to do there? Ravens bringing me food? You know, let me, 
you know, that's all that Bible talk. You know, you have to use wisdom sometimes. There's no higher wisdom than following the voice of God. And what happened with Elijah? Did he sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to actually, I'm going to start a farming business and collect as much as I can right now, store it up. No, he didn't do that. He went and followed where God was leading. And what happened? Verse 6, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread, bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. He, I mean, look at that. Ravens are not, they're not providers, they're scavengers. And God, who has power to dictate nature, to command nature, he commanded the ways and the seas, he commanded the locusts to come into the, the land of Egypt to eat up their crops, he commanded Jonah to, uh, the whale to swallow up Jonah. So he commanded ravens, who by nature are scavengers, to reverse nature, and then now become providers to bring him bread and meat. And God can provide by unconventional methods if you're committed to following him in an unconventional way. Hallelujah. In 2020, COVID, a year where I couldn't travel as much as I wanted to travel because things were, were shut up in Canada. Right now, there's no churches in Canada that I know of that are running evangelistic campaigns and they're doing revival meetings because everything's shut down and if they're open, they're open at a limited capacity of like 30 people. It's not even 30%. It's 30 people despite how big, despite how big your sanctuary is. Our church is limited to 10 people per room. We have like 400 people. How are we going to have 10 people per room? If at most we can have 70 people in our building, what are we going to do? You know, are we going to have eight services on Sunday morning? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. So in a time where, you know, logically, finances should not be, <laughs> we, shouldn't be we shouldn't be having any, uh, you know, nearly as much finances that came in in 2019 or 2018. On the flip side, 2020 was our best year financially. And I'm not saying that to, to boast. I'm saying that to show you the faithfulness of God to his covenant. Deuteronomy 8.18, I am the Lord your God who gives you power to create wealth. The Bible says, Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord will make a man rich and add no sorrow to it. Not make a man rich as long as the world is in, in, in stability. No, make a man rich, provide for him, nourish him, make sure not only he... You know, the Bible is not a story. John 6, when he, create, when he multiplied the bread and the fish, he didn't just make enough for everyone so that they had just a bit to get them back home on their journey. The Bible says there was such an overflow, they had to gather up 12 baskets full of fragments that remain. God is not the God of just enough. When you follow him, he will provide overflow for you. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So you have a sufficiency in every good work and an abundance to do everything God's called you to do. So now because of, you know, 2020 being a great year and now... 2020, uh, 2021 is just piggybacking up and we're going to have an even better year this year. We have enough finances to do our own, you know, do our own crusades. We're going to do one in Saskatoon, uh, Lord willing that things open up there and we're able to get a city permit. And if not, 
You know, I'll go to the States and start doing crusades there. My heart's for the States. My heart's for Canada. My heart is, is for North America. That's where my heart is. My, my heart's for my generation. But I know that our, our, the, the most of our work is going to be in North America. So we're directing our... Because, you know, everybody's sending missions out to Africa when America needs to get saved. And Africa is, is doing all right. They got great men of God doing crusades. Dag Heward Mills. Uh, they had Reinhard Bonnke for, for many years. They got Enoch Adeboye, David Oyedepo. They got a bunch of ministers um, in Ghana. What's that, uh, what's that guy's name? Duncan Williams. Nicholas Duncan Williams. They got a bunch of, of, of phenomenal at Bushoff in South Africa. Robert Kayanja in South Africa. I mean, they got wonderful men of God. And woman of God that God's raised up there, and they're holding the fort there. They're they're having people saved in, in uh, amazing numbers. America, Canada, U.S. That's where that's where my my uh, my scope is aimed at. So I know that now you know because of abundance we're able to do everything. God doesn't want you just to get by. He doesn't want you. The most of your prayer life is just preoccupied with praying so you can make ends meet, so God would provide, so you can have rent. To be paid this month. God doesn't want to make you the rentee. God wants you to make the land, make you the landowner. God doesn't want to just get, you know, you to rely on people giving you rides to work every day. God wants to not only get you a car, God wants to empower you so that when everyone else is in need of a lift, you can pay off a car for them. Provide cars for them. Jesus, Jesus wasn't just, you know, going around and his disciples and himself, they were, they were doing all right. No, he was multiplying bread. He was multiplying fish. He was getting coins to come out of fish's mouth to pay people's taxes. I mean, the guy was committed to making sure people's financial needs were taken care of. And that's one of the benefits of following divine leading. (laughs) People that say, well, Jesus was poor. They do not know the Bible. They've never read the Gospels. Jesus was not poor. You want to know how wealthy Jesus was, his treasury, how large it was? Luke 8, 1 through 3 says, Herod's stewards were actually partners with Jesus in his ministry. A. B. The Bible says Judas would oftentimes steal from his treasury and none of the disciples even noticed that anything was gone. How can a thief steal? If you have $10 in your bank account and someone steals 99 cents, you're going to notice, uh, pretty sure I had $10 now. Now I have $9.01, one penny. There's something wrong here. You're going to call your accountant and, uh, and wonder what's going on. If you have $100 million in your bank account and someone steals $100,000, you might not even notice it. You might not even feel that. That's how Jesus operated. When they, why do you think they were casting lots for his garments? Why do you think they wanted to have his garments? Because it was woven one piece. It was like a high-end piece of clothing that Jesus had. And they wanted it so they can either, you know, sell it on eBay or, or whatever local classified they had at the time. Or keep it for themselves. Clean it. Put some laundry detergent in it and, and wear it themselves. It was, a, it was desirable enough for them to, to bet on it. To auction it off. That provision... That provision comes when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul had it. I'm abundantly supplied. I have all and I have need of nothing. Paul said that in Philippians chapter 4. I am abundantly supplied. I have everything I need. And I have no need of anything. The Bible says 
that the early church, the very first thing that God eradicated in the early church was poverty. Read Acts chapter 2 and the end of the chapter. Everyone had nothing in common. They brought it to the apostles' feet and there was no lack amongst them all. No lack. You are leaving the world of lack and you're entering into the world of God's plenty in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ. There was a famine in 2 Kings chapter 7. And the Bible says that the people were resulting to cannibalism because there was no food. They were eating each other's children and whatnot. Elisha the prophet rises up and he gives a word from the Lord. And says by this time tomorrow, the economy is not only going to be restored. It's going to be the best economy that you've ever had. And one of the chief analysts of Israel got up and he looked to the king and he said, well, even if the Lord should open the heavens, this will never happen. Even if the Lord would open up the good heavens, this would never happen. Elisha looked, see, the words that he spoke determined the portion that he fed from. Elisha looked at him and he said, you will indeed see it happen, but you'll not feed on it. And the very next day, things turned around. God made a way for uh, them to be released from the captivity of the Assyrian army. And the finances kicked in again. The economy started running again. Just like the prophet said. And the Bible says that uh, the man who was the, the one that gave the Ill, Ill counsel to the king, he was put in charge to distribute the food now. And that's like the worst place to be in charge. When people are hungry, you don't want to be the one. When people are starving, you don't want to be the one that's in charge of distributing the food. He got run over and killed on the spot. And so he indeed saw the turnaround, but he didn't. He didn't partake of the, the blessing of it. So be careful the words you speak. Follow God's leading, but also speak words of, of plenty. The Lord is going to, just like He did for Abraham, He's going to bring me into plenty. I'm not, I'm not destined for lack. I'm not destined for poverty. The curse of poverty that came on the first Adam was broken when the last Adam, Jesus Christ, redeemed me from all the curse of the law. Number four, strength. God gives strength to those that are committed to following His will. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He wasn't saying I can do everything I want to do through Christ who gives me strength. He said, I can do everything God has called me to do through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says in Psalm 23, He anoints my head with oil as the Lord is my shepherd. He anoints my head with oil. Oil signifies the anointing. The anointing to, to have strength to get it done, to get whatever God's called you to do done. He anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. That's not just enough strength to get through. That's enough strength to triumph no matter where you're at. Keep me in prayer. I need to get through this week. We're not, we're not called to get through the week. We're called to command the week and have dominion over the challenges of the week and get to the other, other side of the week being better than when we started. I'm not just getting through, you know, keep me in prayer that I make it through this. I'm not making it through. I've got the anointing of the Holy Ghost to bulldoze through this week and not even feel tired. I curse fatigue in your life. I curse weariness in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, Divine energy comes into your body to quicken your mortal body. You're, you're not called to be fatigued and when the alarm clock goes on, 
you know, you're pretty much just drowsily waking up and getting out of bed. And the whole day, you're so drowsy, you're never even outputting the production you know you can't, you know, whatever you can produce. Because you're so drowsy and, and weighed down physically. That's not, that's not your portion. Jesus wasn't like, you know, disciples, we've, uh, we've done enough this month. We're going to take a six-month sabbatical and we'll resume this. He wasn't doing that. He said, my meat is to do, my strength comes from doing the will of God who sent me. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace of God was not given to me in vain in that I labored more. The grace of God enables you to labor more in what God's called you to do than anyone else. You're able to put out five times the production level than normal human beings. The Bible says we are to recognize the days and redeem the times for the days are evil. What does it mean to redeem the times? Redeeming the times means that you're going to do seven times more than a normal human being can do, knowing that, you know, the return of Christ is coming and nearer than when we first believed. And as such, I'm empowered to do, to labor harder, sweat less. Labor harder and sweat less. Produce more than a normal human being can, can produce in a given week. I'm not getting by. I'm not striving. Let me read this to you. Philippians. No, not Philippians. Colossians. The book of Colossians. Listen to this. To them God willed to make known, Colossians 1.27, the writ, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Paul had a recognition that Christ was in him. So he knew, he, he knew in himself, I'm not operating on, on human strength. It's not human ability in me anymore. I've been crucified with Christ. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Verse 29, pay special attention to this. To this end, so I have a task to win the loss at any cost, but to this end I also labor, striving according to what? According to whatever I'm able to do. I never go above and beyond, you know, I know my limits. I had limits before I came to Christ. Before I was crucified and the Holy Ghost now made his home in me. I had limits. Now I've been welcomed into a world of no more limits. And Paul says, to this end, I, I labor, striving according to his working, his power, which worketh mightily in me. God's power works mightily in me, enabling me to do what is not normally possible to do. He said, I have been made a sufficient minister of the new covenant, not according to my ability or my adequacy, but my adequacy comes from God. Stop thinking you have to, you, I'm just going to try and pull up as much strength as I can and get through this week. Be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. That quickening touch is touching you right now. Every sign of weakness is leaving your body. You are being raised up to do, not by might, not by strength, to do God's will by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And number eight, number uh, five, promise that comes to those that follow divine leading is the promises of God come easy. When you go the will, in the will of God and follow His will, the promises of God, seek first the kingdom of God in His righteousness, and what happens? All the things that people waste time praying about, all the things people are begging God to obtain, all the things that people are striving to obtain, to acquire for themselves, I'll, I'll deposit them cheaply for free into your lap. That's why we need to seek out divine will. There are things you'll never have until you, you start following the path of God for your life. There are things you can fast and pray 150 days for and it won't change a thing because you're, on, you're, you're going the opposite direction where God called you to be. So make sure you're lined up with God and as you're aligned with Him, His word is going to start aligning with your life. What did David say in Psalm 23? Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Not surely curses and um, tragedy. Surely goodness and mercy. Joshua, if you will follow me and observe to do everything I've told you to do, no man will stand before you all the days of your life. And every place on which the sole of your foot treads on, it will be land that I have given you to obtain. I'm going to lead you into the promised land as you're committed to following my, 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 my voice. You remember in Psalms, the Bible says, God has led us forth by the right way. When he leads you by the right way, right things start to happen. Promises start becoming a reality in your life. You start praying for people and all of a sudden results start happening. There's a class of people that before they even pray, God said, I've already answered. That's in Isaiah, Isaiah 58. While they're yet, before they even have a, a, their mouth opens and have a request on their mouth, I'm already at work doing what they're, what they're about to ask me. And you see that, you see that in the life of, uh, of, of Paul in the New Testament. Promises just came cheaply to him. He had signs and wonders operating in his ministry. So much so that handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body and given to those that were sick. Demons were cast out as a result and the sick were healed. You know, you look at, at, um, at Jesus and you see the perfect will of God. You see, remember, Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own initiative. I haven't come up with a plan for myself. Only as I hear from heaven, I do. Because I, and my judgment is just and things work for me because I seek not mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. So now that we know those are the five things that happen, I want to quickly go through Two sources 
of divine direction so you can locate the word of, the will of God today. Number one is the word of God. The word of God is loaded with solutions. Lord, how do I know what to do? Pick up his book. People are asking me all the time, how can I hear God's voice? Take your ear, put it right to his, his word and start to listen. That's the voice of God. This is the voice of God in print. The Bible says very clearly, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I can tell you, I mean, look at Jesus. He went in the synagogue, opened the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he found the place where it was written of him, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He read from Isaiah 61. So Jesus, the son of God, the anointed Christ, still he discovered God's will for his life through the word of God. By reading Isaiah 61, it clicked with his spirit. He knew that was, that was his assignment. John the Baptist, John chapter one, let me read this. John chapter 1, I hope this is helping you today. If you're just tuning in now, help me to get the word out by sharing the, the broadcast. John 1, verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John where the Jews, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? Are you the prophet? He said, no, I'm not. And they said to him, then who are you? So that we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Why are you on this earth? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you carrying out this assignment? What did John say? John replied, I am, and then quotes Isaiah 42. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So even John the Baptist discovered the will of God for his life by his study of the scriptures. You know, in the gold rush in the 1900s or whatnot, 1800s, whenever it was, people were scattered all across America they went to Alaska, and they were on this frenzy to bring back gold and make, get rich quick, right? There were people that just took up nuggets because they saw little nuggets of gold on the streets or on, on, the, on the ground, in the rocks, whatever. Some of them, they went a little bit into the crevices and they discovered the gold. But the ones that truly made, made it rich, the ones that truly benefited from that gold rush were those who dug. There's a lot of people who read the Bible and they skim it. And they got a little nugget here and a little blessing there and they got a little honor here and a little favor there and they got a little promise here and a little promise there. But those that are going to really profit off the riches, the, the depth of the riches and resources of this book are those that take time to dig. Why did Paul, why did Paul enjoy such an abnormal level of success in ministry and in uh, his, his ability to, to, to get people saved, his, ab just his ability to deal with the devil, his ability to conquer in life, because the Bible says, I, Paul, received revelation from the Lord by his scripture. He said, he made known to me the mystery of his will. Paul, when he first got saved, he said, I didn't immediately confer with the apostles at, at Jerusalem. I didn't run to a preacher and ask him his advice. He said, I first went to Damascus uh, and, and I stayed in Arabia 
And after three and a half years, some people think that in that time, in that, uh, that time he spent in Arabia was the time where the Lord was downloading into his spirit revelation from the word of the Old Testament and appropriating what Jesus came to do in his blood, his resurrection, his ascension, appropriating it for the New Testament believer, which enabled him to write those letters. And then Peter, the apostle who lived with Jesus, who was the one Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And Peter, I say to you, you are, you're no longer going to be called Simon, a shaken reed. You're now going to be Cephas. Peter, who literally walked on water and walked towards Jesus. That Peter in his letter, in 2 Peter 3, he says that um, Paul has written letters of which some things I'm even having a hard time understanding. So Paul's deep excavation of the Old Testament scriptures and by revelation of the Spirit of God, which the Spirit of God has already promised to guide you into all truth, that enabled him to write the epistles that even Peter was scratching his head on and didn't fully comprehend. So the Word of God is the wisdom of God for your life. And there's no problem, there's no circumstance, there's no situation you're facing right now that the Word of God doesn't deal with. You want to know the will of God? Uh, as to what to do in life? If you're called into the ministry... There's no ministry that you're going to have that falls outside the confines of the Word of God. It has to find, it has to find its, its source in this. So like, you know, well, I, you know, I feel like I'm called to do drama on, uh, you know, do drama, drama plays or theatricals or whatnot. I feel like that's what I'm called to do. And so, um, you know, I, I'm just going to start writing my own plays and doing that. You're going to be lost. If God's called you to do that, even if you feel called to like uh, to, to do dramas or whatever it is people do uh, in, 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 in the church that's like really outside the box, even those things have to have an evangelistic zeal to it. Or else you're just, you're just another play. You might as well go to Broadway and, and, and do your play there. there has to, you, if you can't locate your ministry's purpose, however it manifests itself, however... You know, whatever gifting or talent or originality God gives you, that's fine. But if it doesn't have a core purpose, as found in the book of Acts, which is to win the loss, then you're, you're not in the ministry. Don't call it a drama ministry. Don't call it anything like that. So there's nothing you're dealing with. There's no circumstance you're, 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 you're facing right now. There's no um, roadblock you're at right now that the will the word of god won't provide god's will for you to get out the bible says there's no temptation or problem that has overcome you that is uncommon to men but god is faithful who will provide a way out who will give you a way of escape so number one the word of god colossians 1 and i pray this for you god said paul said i pray that god may fill you with all the knowledge of his will in spiritual wisdom and understanding so i pray right now as you pick up this book, Psalm 1 says, How blessed is a man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessing of God is dependent on how far you're willing to go in obeying His commandments and following His will as outlined in His book. And it says when you do that, you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Your ability to go from point A to point B is totally dependent on your ability to locate God's will from His Word and carry out that instruction. Number two, source of direction, is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Which you need, you need the Spirit of God to even understand this book. 
He's the author, and it's not open to private interpretation. If he authored it, he's also going to be committed to opening up the understanding of it to you. John 16, I will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit said, I will guide you into all truth, and I will lead you, and, uh, and, and I'll counsel you. The Bible calls him the great counselor. The Bible says in Psalm 25, Show me your paths, O Lord. Lead me in your truth and guide me. And the Bible says that the, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him the Lord will, will instruct in the way he should choose. So the Holy Spirit is, is necessary. I read it before, the onset of this broadcast, Romans 8.14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Your ability to hear the voice of God and be sensitive to His leading, that inner, that inner witness. Remember, the Spirit testifies with our spirits. That's how God speaks to you. You're a spirit being. You have a soul. You live in a body. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So when you pray in the Spirit, you're actually up, you're, you're, you're connecting, like when you connect to a Wi-Fi, you're connecting to heaven's Wi-Fi to receive clear transmissions from heaven and enhancing your ability to hear the voice of God. Most of the times when I'm seeking God's counsel and I'm seeking His will, it's while I'm praying in the Spirit that things are made clear. I can't explain it to you, but something begins to shape on the inside of me, it begins to form on the inside of me, and then I just, it, it makes sense. I know the way to go. I'm no longer lost. I'm no longer helpless. I'm no longer hopeless. Paul said, I will pray with my spirit and then I'm going to pray with my understanding. So you don't just pray with your understanding. Lord, what should I do? You have to take time to pray in the spirit. And then Paul said, and then I pray that I might interpret. So you pray with your understanding. Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your help. You then pray with your spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost and not just for a minute. Pray. Take long time, lengthy times in prayers where you're, where you're dedicated to just praying in the Spirit. 30 minutes, 35 minutes, an hour. And then ask the Lord to interpret what that means. And make, make sense to you. Make it make sense to you. Because remember, when you pray in the Spirit, your understanding is unfruitful. But then when you ask for the interpretation, what your Spirit is receiving from heaven is then going to link up with your, your soul, your understanding, to give you clear, clear directions. So you're a spirit being. The candle of the Lord is the spirit of man. God guides you by his spirit and God guides you by your spirit when you're born again. You're now joined to the Lord in our one spirit with him. So we're not using our soul to decide what to do. We're not using our soul, our emotions. When you make a decision based on emotions, how you feel right now, you're nine times, 9.5 times out of 10 going to make the wrong choice. And probably closer to, nine, to 10 on 10. When you make a decision based on reasoning and logic, it seems like the right, nine times out of 10, you're going to make the wrong decision. You might one out of 10, you know, get it right by, by accident. But nine times out of 10, you're, you're, you're playing uh, Russian roulette. So what do you have to do? You're a spirit. God guides you by His spirit, which has been joined to your spirit. You know, when you were not redeemed, your conscience could not be trusted. Now that you are redeemed, your conscience is actually your spirit uh, sending signals to you, which has been regenerate 
regenerated and born in the likeness of God. So I couldn't trust my conscience before. It was out of whack. It's like a broken radio. But now that I'm born again, I can trust the, that inner conscience, that inner leading. The Bible says it's the peace of God which shall be your arbitrator. Let the peace of God. What's that peace? It's, a, it's that inner peace. Even if it doesn't look like, even if it's not the easiest way out, even if it's not the most conventional way to do things, even if it's the way, you know, nobody else has done it before me, there's an inner peace that this is the right way to go. And you follow that inner peace. Even if everyone else is telling you you're crazy. That's what, that's what got David to go after Goliath. Everybody said you were nuts. Saul said you should back down. There was an inner peace. I'm going to take his head off. He knew it was God's will for him to kill this giant. You have to follow that. Be sensitive to that. Fasting and prayer increases the sensitivity to receiving divine signals in your spirit. And then when you, call, when you pray, you know, James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll make it clear to you. When you pray then, God said, I'll give to you, I'll give wisdom to you. Ask of me of wisdom and I will give it to you and I will not withhold it. I'll not hold it back. I'll not upbraid you and I'll give it to you generously. So when you're praying in the Spirit, you're receiving divine wisdom uh, pertaining to your situation. And I can tell you time and time again, I'll give you a few examples. I, when I first got saved, I knew I was called to evangelism. I went to Bible college. As I was leaving Bible college, I received a call from a, a pastor in Canada asking me to come, in, and, uh, come on staff at his church as a youth pastor. And I felt immediately in my spirit not to go. So I, I told him, sir, with all due respect, I'm not coming. And that was it. A couple of months later, or a year later, that pastor ended up leaving that church. And the vision of the church completely changed. Imagine I had gone, you know, it would have been a wreck for me. I would have probably had to assume the full pastoral, as a senior pastor role, to, to, as an interim pastor in the time being. And that would have like wiped me out because I'm not called to do that. I don't have grace for that. Let every man remain in the same calling in which he was called. Then a couple of months later, or a couple of years later, no, maybe a year later, I got another call from another pastor in Canada. Come be an evangelism director and also uh, take care of our young adults ministry. And I, I just felt not right in my spirit. Now at that time, I didn't have meetings. I didn't have uh, much bookings. I didn't have a live stream to preach and all that. I didn't have uh, anything going on. I was literally sitting at home, reading, praying, fasting, and, and doors were opening very slowly, but you know, we, we, we didn't have much finances coming in. My wife and I, we ended up living in my parents' basement for a little bit because we, we had no money to pay rent anywhere anyways. And um, so in the natural, I was offered a salary. I was offered an allowance for uh, groceries, car, and even rent. In the natural, it looked good. I didn't feel good in my spirit. I didn't have that inner peace. I was, I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm not led by circumstances. I'm not led by favorable uh, circumstances. So I, I prayed and I prayed and then I, I, I told the guy I'm not coming. Well, I know that if I had gone, I would have been miserable within a month. I would have been miserable within a month. I spared myself, I spared myself, you know, you spare yourself a lot of trouble by following God's leading. Then there was another church, 
that offered me a large salary, more than I had ever even thought a youth pastor can make. And I immediately felt, no, don't, you know, keep, this is what I called you to be, an evangelist, to do crusades and to, to preach in churches, get people saved, stir up the saints for evangelism. That's what I called you to be. So in the natural, I was like, man, that's a lot of money. And you know the devil? I'm not saying that guy was the devil. I'm just saying that the enemy could use that to get you off track. Jesus was offered the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he still said, no, I must serve and worship the Lord my God and him only. I said, no. Well, a couple of months later, COVID hit and there was no church in Canada. <laughs> I would have been sitting in my apartment building, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for things to get back to normal. And it's been a year that church hasn't been uh, normal in Canada. So, not every opportunity that comes your way is, is God opening up that door. You have to be sensitive to know which door to walk through so that you're not bought, you know, brought down by confusion later on in life. Look, I mean, that was a door that opened to me. Lord, why, is, why aren't I blessed? Yeah, just because a door opened doesn't mean I opened it. And the enemy will do, will do you a great disservice by opening up a bunch of things that seem right unto men but its end, if you walk through it, is death. I mean, I can give you another example. When I, when I got saved and I felt in my spirit to go to Bible college, it was Genesis 12 that caused me to go right away. I was reading Abraham. God told Abraham, leave your father, your relative, and your father's house and go into the land that I'll show you. And I knew immediately that that was the Lord telling me, leave, leave your house and go, and go to that Bible college in the United States and study there until I tell you to come, until I tell you otherwise. So I went, and the dollar was at par at that moment. So if it was $19,000 a year for tuition, it was $19,000 Canadian a year for tuition. And it stayed that way. Then, about two years in, midway through my year that year, I felt strongly from the Lord to go back, to, 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 to come back home and, and begin the ministry. So... I immediately, I'd met my wife at that moment where we weren't married yet, but I said, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to go home. Uh, we're going to get married this summer. This was like in January 20. Uh, we're not going to get, yeah, we're going to get married this summer. This was like January 2015. No, not 20, 2015, January 2014. I said, I'm going to finish. Sorry, not January. It was December 2014, December 2014 or like fall fall time anyways near the end of the year 2014 i said i'm gonna i'm gonna finish this semester it's gonna be my last semester get my two-year degree two-year associates or whatever i'm gonna go home uh we were engaged at the at that time we'll get married july and um and then we're gonna start traveling and we'll believe god to open up doors well the moment i go back home the dollar tanks in Canada. I didn't know this. I'm not some. I'm not like in Wall Street or whatever. Or, you know, I, I don't have a direct line to the Treasury Departments or whatever of Canada and U.S. I didn't know this was going to happen. I don't study economics. The moment I go back home, it was like a month later. The dollar crashes. And so, had I done the extra two years, instead of it being par, it would have been thirty percent extra. My dollar. Your U.S. dollar would have been $1.30 Canadian. 
And it stayed like that and it got worse and worse. I think it hit like $1.44 or something like that. And it was nuts. And so I would have lost a lot of money. The Lord spared me from wasting all that money. And he knew my training was over there. And I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't need any more uh, training there. And so uh, I, I was spared of like financial horror. Because I would have had to pay big as a result. And I can, I can go through time, story after story. My, my mentor, evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth, was uh, preaching in the missions field one day, and uh, he was supposed to get on a train to go to another town to preach a crusade. And for some odd reason, they got the wrong ticket or something, and so they missed... I think he got the ticket for the day after, so they missed... They missed the train that was set out that day that was supposed to carry him for the crusade that night. And he had misprinted the ticket. It was for the day after. So there was, and there was no other train that day to get to where he needed to be. So he, he, um, he was like kind of ticked off at the, you know, he was missing a crusade. Wakes up the next morning and uh, reads the news in the main headline that day that train that he was supposed to be on ends up derailing and everyone on board died i mean do you think that was an accident or do you think that was divine sovereignty working in his favor so not only did he not die he got to do the crusade the next night and it spared him of a lot that's a god god didn't create you to live on a natural playing field you are cre- i and the children whom the lord have given me we were created for signs and wonders you were created for the supernatural you were made to live a supernatural lifestyle you were destined to live on a different playing field on a higher playing field you were made i mean you look at paul Paul had us, they even said of him, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. He looked so much like Christ because of the way he lived that people thought he was God. And he said, I'm not. I'm a man of like nature. I just follow the will of God. And blessing, goodness, favor and mercy happens. Happens to be the result. Hallelujah. I pray today in the name of Jesus for everyone watching right now that the Lord, just like he led the pillar... The Israelites out by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. God will make his way known to you clearly in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. He will lead you forth by the right way. God is going to open up his will to you. Not only by his word, but the spirit is going to highlight his word to you. So that there will be no confusion as to what the next step is to be. The next step to take. There will be no doubting. You're not going to take that next step double-mindedly. God will make it clear in Jesus' name who to marry. God wants to tell you who to marry. God wants to tell you where to live. God wants to to lead you as to uh, where you're to work, what you are to do. God wants to lead you as to what church to go to and tie into. God will be as intimately acquainted in your life as you allow him to be. Don't let anyone make fun of you. Because of you know you constantly inquiring of the Lord what to do. You know, small things. Lord, where, sh- where should I eat today? What restaurant should I eat at today? And people mock you. Oh, do you really need to eat? I was supposed to go to my brother's house yesterday. To see him and his uh, newborn baby. And then he ends up canceling on me. So I said, okay. 
I, I call my, I call, my wife is out of town for, for the time being, so I call my parents. I'll go and visit them and uh, eat with them tonight. I didn't feel like cooking. And then uh, they, they, they said they're having leftovers or something. I said, I'm, not having, I'm too good for leftovers. I'm not having leftovers. I'm too hungry to waste my hunger on that. And so what did I do? I, I'm, I'm driving in a direction and I felt compelled. It was like a, a, like a, like a highlighter. Just highlighted a restaurant in my, in my spirit. And I said, that's where I got to go. So I, I turn the corner. I get to, um, to the restaurant. I go in. I order my, my food. And then I just felt led by the spirit to say, how are you guys doing? Like financially, you guys okay? And this lady says, uh, she, she was taking my order and she says, you know what, considering, yeah, we're doing all right, you know, a lot, a lot of restaurants are closing down, but, you know, considering we're, we're still able to function and, you know, nobody's missed a paycheck. I said, do you want to know my opinion? She's, oh, she goes, I, I hope this thing just is over soon. And I, I never engage in COVID talk with people because, you know, it, it's, I, I just don't feel like it. You never know who you're going to talk to and you never know what they're going to say and you never know if they're going to try and swing at you or not. So I said, you, <laughs> against my will, I said, you want to know my opinion about this whole thing? This thing, this pandemic ended a long time ago. And they're just stretching it out as long as they can. The moment I said that, she looked at me with like blaring eyes, intensity in her eyes. And she said, do you really think they're doing that? Man, people are losing their homes because of this thing. I'm losing my house. I can't pay my mortgage because of this. Do you really think they're that twisted? And she starts to like tear up. And I knew right then and there, this is like classic, this person is the harvest. You know, if you wanted any sign that this person was ready and ripe for harvest, this is it. She's in need of help. She was desperate. So I said, what's going on right now is not being done naturally. What's going on by now, uh, what's, be, what's going on right now is not being done by human wickedness or human hatred for mankind. This is... This is the devil's last ditch effort. And the Bible says in the last days, these are the things that are going to happen. And Jesus said, before I return, don't be surprised when this happens. There's going to be a shaking on the earth. But in my house, if you'll connect with me, you'll have peace. And I started to preach the gospel to her. I had an opening right there. And she starts tearing up. And she looks at her arm and she says, I feel, man, I'm getting goosebumps. I feel like warmth in my heart. I said, you want to know why you're having that? happen to you right now it's because the anointing of God is drawing you and you know she's like tearing up now I lead her in I, I pray with her I lead her in a sinner's prayer I lead her to the Lord and I say our church is just around the corner uh we're open on Sunday even though every other church is closed we're open and uh, we also do prayer and so she's like I'm gonna pass by one of these days and I'm gonna go see her again uh probably maybe this week if not next and uh I'm gonna check in on her but look how the Lord led me to that restaurant. And then as a result, someone's eternal destiny was, was changed. That, was, I, that all happened by the leading of the Spirit. Be, be sensitive. Because you don't know. That was just, Lord, where should I eat? And look what happened. Not only did she got, get the taste of the goodness of the Lord. And the kindness of the Lord that led her to repentance. 
you know, <laughs> her eternal destiny has changed. Wherever you feel lost, just, Lord, where would you have me go? God will make it clear to you. For everyone that's watching, if, you, if you're experiencing that distress right now and lack of peace and joy because of 2020 and 2021, because of this COVID thing or whatnot and what the governments are trying to do and the, the stress it's caused unnecessarily to people, there's, Jesus said there's going to be a great shaking that comes on the earth. He said once more in a little while, the heavens, the earth, and beneath the earth will shake. And the only place there's going to be peace, the only place there's going to be stability is in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I've come to give you a, a kingdom that can never be shaken. There's only one place where there's stability on earth. There's only one place that there, uh, there's only one kingdom that is immovable. There's only one kingdom that is steadfast. There's only one place to be where you will never be wiped out and that is in the center of God's will and you'll never be in the center of God's will until you first take a step towards Him in salvation. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says He did not come to destroy man's life but to save man from death. Not only death in eternity but death here now. To save man from the, 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 the curses and plagues that sin has brought on mankind. You weren't destined for stress. You weren't destined for anguish. You weren't made to carry depression and despair and despondency in your soul. You were made to carry life and life more abundantly. So if you're watching today and you want to, uh, not you want to, you need to get right with God if you haven't already. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to do so right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart and say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord unto the glory of God the Father. I turn to you. Forgive me of my sin. Where I was weak, make me strong. Fill me with your peace. Take the heart of stone out. Give me a heart of flesh. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.